The following program is brought to you by the Humble Farm, a bed and breakfast in St. George, Maine. Thank you for listening. A friend of mine is home from a week in the hospital, and, well, the first thing he did was fill out that questionnaire on what he thought of the hospital. His only comment was, If you ever plan to shove that tube down my nose again, you'd better have bigger people there to install it, and a lot more of them. Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. ah, Watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. I heard an angel say, wake up, wake up, your wonderful dreams come true. A newborn feeling had me reeling, I said to myself, where am I? It's all so hazy, may sound crazy, there wasn't a star in the sky. Still I saw stars, I heard a birdie sing, so sweet, so sweet, the moment I fell for you.
Django. Here on the Humble Farmer, thank you for listening. Have you ever turned on your radio and heard funny noises like this? If you have, there's a good chance you are listening to a popular program where they play sounds you're likely to hear at night anywhere in Maine. And if you really enjoy that kind of thing, you don't want to miss next week's program because we've invited the entire radio crew, well, we've invited them all down to St. George Grange for our baked bean supper.
Ghana. Ghana here on Humble Farmer. If you'll stop to think about it, and I hope you will, there is very little difference between reading and getting drunk. Both offer an escape from reality. I put my well, I put myself to sleep by by reading. Some of our friends prepare for their hours in the sack by getting drunk. One envies philosophers. They have at their fingertips the wisdom of the ages from multiple cultures. Unless we read, we have to be satisfied with the hit-or-miss rules for behavior that are dished out by the likes of popular TV shows or the radio. What, what does one read when one does want to enrich one's life? This morning, the Bible came to my mind, as, as does the last dawn. Proverbs is an example of the biblical wisdom tradition and raises questions of values, moral behavior, the meaning of human life, and right conduct. But you know, so do the Godfather and the last dawn. The last dawn comes to mind, well, not only because I picked it up the other day and started to read it for the third time in a year, but because I've long considered the Godfather a treasure trove if one is seeking wisdom. Now, of course, I know this. You know more than, about this kind of thing than I do. And because you know more than I do, you could easily write an article comparing the philosophy of shepherds of 2,500 years ago with the, with the mafia. Be slow to anger. Take it easy. My father always used to say, take it easy, take it easy. Always remain calm. Never let an adversary know that you're about to put him to the sword. Mind your own business. Avoid confrontation. Don't raise your voice. Take care of your, take care of your chosen people. Yes, one could talk about this for a long time. What do you think? I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com. You know I'd love to hear from you.
ago here on the Humble Farm, and where, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Thank you for listening. From time to time, you see something on television that commands your attention, makes you sit right up. What would you do if you heard that at least 145 people in 16 states have been sickened, not killed, but sickened by salmonella-tainted tomatoes, and then you looked up at the screen and saw a panic-stricken supermarket employer hauling cases of the deadly tomatoes out of the store on a handcart. <laughs> I laughed when I saw it. Think about this. 145 people get sick, and it's prime-time national news, and they throw the product out of the store? you got to be kidding me. Suppose there was a product on store shelves all over America. Suppose this product killed hmm, 400,000 Americans every year. Suppose that the product was responsible for one in every five deaths in the United States. Suppose that this product was sold by our friends who belong to the Chamber of Commerce and Rotary and who sit up front in church every Sunday. If there were such a product, what do you think our government should do about it? What you want to bet they'd subsidize the farmers who grow it? And now what button am I going to push? My word, I'm, I'm lost on this one here. I got so interested in what I was, was going to tell you. Why better set one right there?
let's see if I can get this right count. Basie there, of course. Pushing all the buttons here. I've got that one set up so I can play Django for you when I get done babbling here. Why, why would you send a sympathy card to someone who is not one of your favorite people when I don't even send cards to people I really, really like? I am not a fan of cards. I don't believe in sending cards. Seventy years ago, my grandmother had a card that she sent back and forth to some friend. My grandmother's parents were both born in Aberdeen around 1840. So my grandmother, Williamson, was a 100% Scotch. This card was called a Scottish greeting card, and it circulated every year. I remember this well. Every year, Grammy would get the same card back from the friend that she'd send it to the year before. And back when I still sent cards to people, I used, you know, back when postage made it possible, back then I used to take a card that someone had sent me and cross out the name on the bottom and send it, send that. Now, why not? Is there anything wrong with crossing the name off a card someone sent you and sending it to someone else? I don't believe in cards. One card costs what? What's a, what's a card cost? A dollar or so now? Who can afford to spend a dollar for a card? Half a buck for postage? Someone will look at this card and then perhaps throw it in the trash and not even the paper recycling bin. Now be honest with me. Be honest with me now. On your birthday or on Christmas, wouldn't you much rather open the envelope and find a instead of a card a nice crisp dollar bill
do, how often do you have a good laugh? Now, I'm talking here about a really roaring laugh. I was really laugh. <laughs> I was really laughing the other day. Richard Sassaman, long, long, long time radio listener, Richard Sassaman sent me a tape of this radio program that I made on January 6, 1993. And I laughed and I laughed at the things this man was saying between Serge Chaloff and Bob Bard. Now you understand that I can't very well remember telling you on January 6, 1993 about the gorilla who saved a zookeeper by performing the Heimlich Maneuver. So this was like, well, for me, it was like listening to 60 Minutes of Great Music and very, very funny commentary that I was really hearing for the first time. I was reading you excerpts from a paper called The Tabloid Tattler. This was a paper so good that it could not possibly succeed. Years and years ago, back then when I used to make this program, way back when Main Public Radio Studios was still in Orono. Way back then, I used to make myself a little cassette tape to save every time I made a program and put them on reel-to-reel back then. Now, I never listened to any of these tapes, never had time, of course, but I've got a couple of hundred of these ancient tapes in a cardboard box in my office. Do you happen to have a box of old humble tapes under your bed? Now, don't laugh, because for many years, a lot of people did. They would tell me about it. If I ever live long enough, I'd like to burn some of my old 1993, whenever they were, cassettes on the CDs, so I can play them when I need to laugh. In 1993, can't believe this, in 1993, I was telling about Liz Taylor giving advice on how to be happy with your spouse. A parallel in the animal kingdom, of course, would be a fox giving a lecture on the merits of vegetarianism. I got a girl who's always late. Anytime we have a date. But I love her Yes, I love her I'm gonna walk right up to her gate See if I can get it straight Cause I want her I'm gonna ask her My baby The way you acting lately Makes me doubt You is still my baby Baby Seems my flame in your heart's done gone out A woman is a creature That has always been strange Just for you One you find She's gone and made a change now, easy wins, easy ain't my baby. Maybe baby's found somebody new. 
When you shear one, you find she's gone and made a change. Lazy you is, lazy you ain't my baby. Maybe baby's found somebody new. Or is my baby still my baby true? Now, darling, tell me, is you is, or is you ain't my baby? Or have my baby found somebody new? Nice piano player, Nat King Cole, huh? How do you ever get into the singing business anyway? Cashed in on that. Nice to listen to. Ooh, it's almost time to remind you that you're listening to The Humble Farmer. I am filled with gratitude for this. Thank you, thank you. With any luck at all, you should know that uh, I'm here every week at this time. Again, with any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. Thank you again for listening. You know, I didn't start to learn French until I was around 65 years old. And at present, I can read French on perhaps a sixth-grade level. In other words, I can read with a startling amount of comprehension Harlequin romances, Agatha Christie, and and the French subtitles we get on three television channels. Of course, I can't understand spoken French unless it's on a tape or CD, or even easier, an American speaking French. Because no one except a Frenchman can understand a French person speaking French. I started to learn French after accidentally getting off a train in a small town in France. I was on my way to speak in Holland. I accidentally got off at the wrong town, wrong station in France. I was trapped there overnight, and I almost starved to death because I couldn't get anything to eat. Right then, when I came home, I started to learn French. I said, why not? Why, why have I waited till I was 65? Well, knowing what a cheerful, friendly person I am, it might, it might surprise you to hear that I was studying French just to be spiteful. I was learning to speak French just to be nasty. I was resolved to learn some French just so the next time I was in France the French would have to listen to me talk French with a main accent. Thank you. 
suppose you already know that it can be statistically proven that people come in three sizes. That is, large, average, and small. It has to do with the bell curve. Because most of the women used in television commercials are no more than skin stretched on very small bones, your average American woman has been conditioned to place herself in the large category. You can't look at a television commercial without realizing that someone is trying very hard to make women dissatisfied with the way they look, smell, or feel. And this is why even the most sensible woman might be tempted to lose weight, you know, to diet. Have you ever lived with a woman who eats nothing but salad? Have you ever lived with anyone who eats nothing but salad? After a week, you beg them to wolf brownies or at least put enough chocolate on their lettuce, you know, get a, get a little chocolate sauce on their lettuce to make them sociable. A St. George man, one of my neighbors, tells me that his wife dieted faithfully for three weeks without losing a pound. She got, well, you can understand this, she got so cranky that he started avoiding them. He, he even fell asleep drinking his nightly hot chocolate in front of the television set there and stayed there on the couch all night. Guess what? Night after night, his wife lost weight. Well, it was two or three weeks before a doctor figured out what was going on here. The television ads for weight loss had made her so sensitive to calories that she'd been gaining half a pound every night just by smelling the hot chocolate on his breath.
Of course, nice sound, a lot to say, here on the humble farmer. Well, with any luck at all, and I always have to add that, you never know. With any luck at all, you can hear me next week at this time, right here on your favorite station, playing old-fashioned music for you. And you know, if you were going to have a television show about animals, what would you call it? You could, uh, you know, you could have a contest just to see what kind of quirky names people would come up with. And what would you call your guests? The pet lovers? Pedophiles? You can be sure that someone would suggest that you call your show Meet the Pets. That's M-E-A-T. Which reminds me. You know I've got cow friends out back on my farm, and, and you've heard me ask many times, I think it's a very legitimate question, why would anyone spend time and money feeding and raising and getting to love a pet that you can't eat? Every star above knows the one I love, sweet Sue, just you. The moon up high knows the reason why, sweet Sue, it's you. No one else, it seems, ever shares my dream. Without you, dear, I don't know what I'd do. In this heart of mine, you'll live all the time, sweet Sue, just you.
Thank you for listening. Did you see that documentary on television about the commando who had always wanted to be a woman, who became a woman? He gave up the commando business and was accepted for a job at the Library of Congress. You can Google and find this. I think it got attention from the press because when they found out he'd become a woman, the job was no longer his or hers. I think this is a terrible thing. Now, if you're a man who enjoys being a man or a woman who enjoys being a woman, be thankful because, from what I saw on television, it can be painful to have a brain that wants to be in another body. Anyway, the man in this documentary was not only a tough commando. Get this. He was not only tough. He was in charge of the toughest commandos. And I'm talking about the high-IQ'd, highly educated, tough, 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 James Bond, a Steve Waterman type of men who, you know, the guys that go into places where nobody can go and do things that can't be done. I saw a clip of this commando being recognized for his service by the top, top people in our government. And I also saw clips of her walking along with long hair and a dress, and you'd really never suspect that this quiet, well-groomed, nice-looking woman could in a matter of seconds, kill six football players with her bare hands. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to be peeping out from behind a car in a dark parking lot and see two punks come up to her and say, Lady, if you don't hand over your purse, we're going to take it away from you.
was the name of that anyway? Was that? That was Rain Check, wasn't it? I wonder who wrote that. Scott Hamilton, of course. Do, 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 do. Almost time to get out of here. In case I don't have time, I want to thank you for listening. I love to hear from you. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. The other morning, oh, I got to tell you this. The other morning, I was somewhat shocked. No, I, I guess I could say I was actually horrified when I looked into the wash basin and saw half a dozen hairs in that wash basin about three inches long. I just finished I just finished washing my feet. Beautiful music Dangerous rhythm You're dancing You sing While you're dancing You'll find Before the dance Is through That you're in love with her And she's in love with you You'll find While you're dancing there's a rhythm in your heart and soul There's rhythm that you can't control You will do the continental all the time say thank you again for listening to the humble farmer hope you'll be with me again next week same time right here on your favorite radio station